Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Last episode featured the great work from Five Gyres. Today, we keep the ocean at the top of the list with a few minutes to tell you about another organization working around the clock to remove plastic from the ocean. Alex Schultz and Andrew Cooper founded Four Ocean in 2017. The company sells merchandise made mostly from recycled materials. I bought one of their bracelets last year. The company uses a portion of the profits to remove one pound of trash from the ocean and coastlines for each bracelet that is sold. The company has developed cleanup operations in Indonesia, Haiti, Florida, and Guatemala. After becoming friends in college, Alex and Andrew saved up their money for a surfing trip in Bali. When I think of Bali, I think of beautiful weather, friendly people, and pristine beaches. That might have been true in the 70s, but unfortunately, there are a few beaches that inspire that image today. When Alex and Andrew arrived in Bali, they found a beach that was completely covered in plastic, with trash-filled waves delivering more garbage each time the tide rolled in. They vowed on the spot to try to do something about it. They hired boat captains and other local workers to clean the ocean and coastlines full-time, and just like that, a business was born. Once the plastic is collected, they weigh it, take a picture of it, and transport it to their regional operational base. The plastic is sorted by type, color, condition, and recycled into pellets, Ah, pellets. We've heard about that before on this podcast. Four Ocean uses those pellets to manufacture their products. How can you get involved with Four Ocean? It's easy. A couple of different ways. One, you can join the Clean Ocean Club and purchase a bracelet every month, and they'll pull a pound of trash. Or you can buy cool merchandise like their reusable straws, tumblers, t-shirts, hats, or purchase the cleanup combo. That includes a cleanup tote, which can double as a beach bag, And you get a pair of Four Ocean branded gloves to keep your hands clean. You don't have to travel all the way to Bali to help out. Start with your local stream, river, reservoir, or lake. You can follow Four Ocean on Twitter with the other 240,000 people at Four Ocean. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on YouTube or Instagram, where they have 2 million fans. Four Ocean has already collected over 9 million pounds of plastic since 2017. In a few short years, Alex and Andrew went from tourists in a tropical paradise to business owners. Think of the amazing things you can do in the next three years. Don't wait for the opportunity to find you. Seven months ago, this podcast was just a dream, and today I have listeners from 46 different countries. Chase your environmental dreams, or really any dream, and make it happen. Bill Nye affectionately known as Bill Nye the Science Guy, graduated from Cornell University and worked as an engineer for the Boeing Corporation for many years. He applied four times to get into NASA's astronaut training program, but was not accepted. Nye won a Steve Martin lookalike contest in 1978 and started doing stand-up comedy. While at Boeing, he spent the day designing jet navigation systems and did stand-up comedy at night. Nye aspired to be the next Mr. Wizard, a little bit before my time, so I had to look it up. It was hosted by a guy named Don Herbert, and his persona on the long-running television show from the 50s and 60s, Herbert taught children the science behind ordinary things. 
Don Herbert is not to be confused with the cartoon from the early 60s called Tudor Turtle, who tried many different tasks, always failing and begging for help, yelling, Help me! Help me, Mr. Wizard! What a perfect background for Bill Nye to become America's favorite scientist, at least until Dr. Fauci came into prominence. Many of you know Bill Nye the Science Guy, a television show he hosted from 1993 to 1998. It was designed for youngsters, but I have to admit, I enjoyed the show as much as my kids did. Nye made science entertaining and accessible. The show received 23 Emmy Awards, and it won 19 of them. If you have Netflix, you can find Bill Nye Saves the World. It's got celebrity guest speakers and experts that join in on different discussions. Nye turned his talents to the Planetary Society, a group founded in 1980 by Louis Friedman. No, not my grandfather, Louis Friedman. He owned a dry cleaners company and was not a scientist, although often he said his love for me was strong enough to send me to the moon. Also part of the original Planetary Society was Bruce Murray and Carl Sagan. Nye is the CEO of the Society, which boasts 50,000 members across 100 countries. The Planetary Society introduces people to the wonders of the cosmos. You can find more about Bill Nye at BillNye.com and join his 6 million followers on Twitter at Bill Nye. Facebook group has over 3 million followers. I'll leave you tonight with this quote from Bill Nye from May 12, 2019, when he was a guest on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. I'm going to beep out the really bad words in case the young ones are listening on the show. Nye said, I've got an experiment for you. Safety glasses on. By the end of the century, if emissions keep rising, the average temperature on Earth could go up another 4 to 8 degrees. What I'm saying is the planet's on beeping fire. There are a lot of things we could do to put, put it out. Are any of them free? No, of course not. Nothing's free. You idiots, grow the beep up. You're not children anymore. I didn't mind explaining photosynthesis to you when you were 12, but you're adults now and this is an actual crisis. Got it? Safety glasses off, mother blankers. It's time for the Climate Hero of the Week. In 1985, Tina Turner was wrong when she sang, We Don't Need Another Hero. We need lots of heroes. And this week we're talking about Gloria Bulis. Former United States Vice President Al Gore awarded Nigeria climate change activist Gloria Bulis the Alfredo Circus Memorial Green Ring Award at the 44th Climate Reality Leadership Corps Global Training. The Green Ring Award is presented to outstanding climate reality leaders who have demonstrated an exceptional commitment to their role as climate communicators and activists. Ms. Bulis is the founder and executive director of Bridge That Gap, a Kaduna-based non-government organization. Bridge That Gap focuses on education, empowerment, and environment by reaching out to children through schools on issues bordering on child mentorship, health, hygiene, girl-child education, educational materials to support learning for children and persons with disabilities, climate change, and other environmental issues. Ms. Bulis is also actively involved in many other worthwhile projects, including fighting child sexual abuse, promoting young African leadership, and helping educate persons with disabilities. You can find her at Gbulis on Twitter and at bridge underscore that gap and at Africa CRP. Congratulations to an outstanding human being. Now it's time for the climate villain of the week. You know the drill. If there's a hero, there's a villain. Acting director of the Bureau of Land Management, William Pendley, 
is finally set to go before the Senate for a legally mandated confirmation hearing sometime later this year. If confirmed, Penley would manage the Bureau of Land Management's 10,000 employees and 245 million acres of public land. In 1981, when he was working for the Reagan administration, Penley said, sell all the BLM lands east of Mississippi. Perhaps Penley's most famous words were written in a 2016 piece for the National Review, where Penley argued, the founding fathers intended all lands owned by the federal government to be sold. Here are his thoughts on a couple of other items. On Black Lives Matter, Penley said, Michael Brown never raised his hand in surrender and cried, hands up, don't shoot. Black Lives Matter was built on that terrible lie. Penley has insulted Native Americans, immigrants, the LBGQT community, Muslims, and for our purposes here today, climate change, saying, despite the total absence of credible scientific evidence, the media is convinced and is attempting to convince us that we have global warming, an ozone hole, an acid rain, and all of it is man's fault. But let's give Penley a break. He said that back in 92. A lot has changed since then. Maybe he's learned. I don't think so. Penley recently tweeted multiple times, attacked climate activist Greta Thunberg, comparing climate change to unicorns because neither exist, and calling climate science junk. In April of 2019, as a blizzard threatened Colorado, Penley said, 69 degrees and sunny today. Sky is falling tomorrow. Hashtag climate change is real. Not. Mr. Penley, please go away. Thank you for tuning in to... It's been a few months since we've heard from our ace reporter, Wheezy McWeeklung. He was feeling pretty good here for a while during the lockdown. Back in June, Wheezy was enjoying the clean air in Fiji. We sent Wheezy to Delhi, India, where the air quality index is an extremely hazardous level. The PM10 was 792. Goodness, how do people even leave the house when the air is that dangerous? Toss in a pandemic and things are really not going well in Delhi. But our reporter Wheezy is a real trooper and won't let a pandemic or thick air filled with pollution stop him from doing his job. Wheezy, how you doing, buddy? Oh, darn it. Well, that's unfortunate. Wait, wait a second. Wheezy's sending his report in via text messaging. Uh, hold, let me, just opening right now. Hold on, hold, hold on. Dear Rick, sorry for the coughing fit. It's hard to breathe here. Can you send me back to Fiji? LOL. At least he hasn't lost his sense of humor. He continues, things are bad here. I'm on the north side of the city. Tons of traffic and everyone is wearing a mask. I'm not sure if they're doing that because the air is so bad or because of the pandemic or both. The air in the United States isn't too bad today except for Seattle, Montana, and New Mexico. I heard reports that people still aren't wearing masks. OMG. Crazy, right? Well, I got to get to my next location. The air in Fiji is super clean today with an air quality index of 16. I'm wondering if they're accepting Americans. Wheezy, out. Welcome to the newest feature of the podcast. We're going to run through some exciting news in the fight for climate justice and a pollution-free world. I've got nine items of information today. We're going to keep on going until we get to 100. But for now, Sheldon from Radio Music Creative is going to get us going. And then the lovely Izzy will count it up, not down for us. In the mix. In the mix. One.
Let's start with an app you can download for free. It's called Earth Hero. You can calculate your carbon profile, set personal targets, and most importantly, choose an action plan from one of the 47 listed on the app or join a climate action group. All ages are welcome. You want to help? Download the app and get started. Number two. I have two other podcasts for you to check out. The first one is called South of Two Degrees, and the host is Brian Barnes. It's definitely worth your time. The weekly episodes run about 15 minutes in length with a wide range of interesting topics. Number two is Tiny Climate Challenge. The host is the brilliant and funny Maela Manazian. Her podcast is for busy people who want to save the planet by completing one simple eco-challenge at a time. Great idea. Three. On June 28th, the Saharan dust cloud prompted an air quality warning across North Carolina. The entire state was under a code orange air quality warning. That meant the air was unhealthy for sensitive groups. That's according to the North Carolina Department of Environmental and Natural Resources. Gee, I thought code orange meant that the president was coming to town. Number four. It's getting even tougher for kids in Chicago to play baseball this year. On top of COVID-19, the city has another problem. A week after beginning remediation of the soil at Hedgewich Little League Field, where high levels of arsenic and lead were discovered, the Environmental Protection Agency announced that preliminary findings show the nearby Hedgewich Babe Ruth Field has high concentrations of manganese, a metal that can cause neurological damage. The Hedgewich Babe Ruth and Little League fields sit to the south of the Watco Terminal and Port Services, which stores and handles bulk solid material including manganese-bearing alloys, and to the west of the newly designated Shroud Superfund site, where the former Republic Steel stored and dumped slag material between 1951 and 1977. Kathy Fox, a Hedgewich Babe Ruth board member, said she was shocked manganese was all that they found on the field. We're a dumping ground, Fox said of the heavy industry and accumulated pollution in the area. I often refer to us as the land that time forgot, citing the area's high rate of cancer. Five. Migrations is getting a lot of run as the summer climate fiction read of the season. Here's the opening line from first-time Australian novelist Charlotte McConaughey. The animals are dying. Soon we will be alone here. Let's pray those words aren't prophetic. I don't want to remember those words like Moby Dick's opening line, call me Ishmael. Migration is getting good reviews. I haven't read it yet, but it's on the wish list. Number six. The Japanese ship MV Wakashio hit a coral reef along the southeastern coast of Mauritius on July 25th. High winds and waves pounded the ship, causing it to crack and spill at least 1,000 tons of oil into the surrounding ocean. Mauritius lies in the Indian Ocean, east of Madagascar, off the African coast. Wildlife Foundation manager Jean Hughes Garden said, The ship is showing really big cracks. We believe it will break into two at any time, the maximum within two days. The good news is that as of August 12th, reports are coming in that says the remaining oil in the tanker has been safely removed. 
Who had two giant oil spills on their 2020 bingo card? In late May, a storage tank in Norlisk, northern Russia collapsed, and 20,000 tons of diesel fuel was released into the environment. Winds caused the oil to spread more than 12 miles, contaminating nearby rivers, lakes, and the soil. As of July 6th, Nornickel, a mining company that owned the storage tank, said it removed 185,000 tons of contaminated soil. Soils being stored on site to be cleaned by certified contaminant experts. That should be done by early September. Then the clean soil will be returned to its original site. 13 Olympic swimming pools worth of fuel-contaminated water has been pumped from a river to a nearby industrial site where the harmful chemicals will be separated and the clean water will be returned to the river. That's better than nothing, but the toxins will likely remain in the water and the soil for a long, long time. In the coming years, the toxins will build up within the food chain, starting with microscopic organisms and eventually causing health problems in larger organisms like fish and birds. Number eight. Have you ever sat around and said to yourself, you know what we're missing? More methane. Yeah, we need more methane released into the air. Well, I've never said that, but the EPA must feel that way because they're rolling back another Obama-led environmental protection meant to curb air pollution and slow the climate crisis. The rollback allows oil and gas producers to scrap new rules about systems put in place to identify and address methane leaks on the rigs. In addition to that, the EPA is ending its oversight of ozone pollutants and emissions from pipelines and storage sites and reduce the requirement for monitoring and reporting certain pollutants. That means that approximately 5 million metric tons of methane will be released in the atmosphere each year. The White House is blaming a decline in the demand for oil and gas due to the coronavirus to ease pollution rules and crippling regulations. I don't buy it. Nine. All right, let's end in the mix on a happy note. This is my favorite story. It's about Kathy Sullivan. From the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows. No, this is not a riches to rags story. It's hardly that. Miss Sullivan was already in the history books as the first U.S. woman to complete a spacewalk. That was back in 1984. Now 68-year-old Kathy Sullivan became the first woman to travel to the lowest point in the ocean. Sullivan was admitted into NASA's class in 1978. It was the first recruitment drive that brought women into the astronaut ranks. In October of 84, Sullivan made history when she became the first American woman to walk in space. When she left NASA in 93, Sullivan went on to serve as chief scientist at the National Oceanic and Atmosphere Administration and later as its, as its administrator under President Obama. Enter Victor Vescovo, a former naval officer and investor who spent years and millions of dollars on technology to take people underwater to the depths of our planet. Sullivan had been to space, and now it was time for a woman to reach the bottom of the ocean called the Challenger Deep. It's the deepest part of the ocean, part of the Marianas Trench. It's almost seven miles below the ocean's surface, 200 miles southwest of Guam in the Pacific Ocean. In late June, Sullivan traveled more than 35,000 feet inside a two-person submersible, becoming only the eighth person and the first woman to reach the bottom of the ocean. Today we're taking a quick look at a movie that I haven't seen on television in a long time. It's the 1972 ecological thriller called Silent Running. 
Bruce Dern is the star of the movie, playing a character named Freeman Lowell. And of course, I can't mention the name Dern without acknowledging his daughter, Laura Dern, was one of the stars of my favorite movie, Jurassic Park. See, kids, I know I could work in Jurassic Park into every episode. Here's the basic premise of the movie. Plant life is becoming extinct on Earth. Lowell is a resident botanist on a spaceship that contains the last specimens of plant life on Earth. The spaceship is part of a fleet orbiting Saturn. Lowell takes care of the plants for an eventual return to Earth and reforestation of the planet. Lowell is one of the four crewmen aboard, and he carefully maintains a variety of plants. Lowell spends most of his time in these large biodomes within the spaceship, cultivating the crops and attending to the animal life. The crew of the ship is ordered to blow up the domes that house the plants and trees because the domes are going to be used for commercial service. Lowell is not going to stand for that. Chaos ensues and Lowell gets help from his three service robots named Huey, Dewey, and Louie to save the plants. Lowell kind of loses it at the end of the movie, talking to the vertically challenged robots like they are his children. I won't give away the ending. I think right now the only way to watch it is to rent it or buy the movie. The movie has a modest 6.7 rating on IMDb. Silent Running isn't a great science fiction film. Don't get me wrong, there's some cool special effects, especially considering it was 1972. Silent Running was the directorial debut of visual special effects wizard Doug Turnbull. He worked with Stanley Kubrick on 2001 A Space Odyssey, and he was in charge of special effects on The Andromeda Strain, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Blade Runner, and Star Trek The Motion Picture. Silent Running is a story about one man's refusal to destroy something he loves more than his own life. If you love sci-fi and care about the environment, I think you really like Silent Running. Ladies and gentlemen, let's raise a glass to our birthday girl. Sylvia Earle was born on August 30th, 1935, and is an American marine biologist, explorer, author, and lecturer. Miss Earle was the first female chief scientist of the United States National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and was named by Time Magazine as its first hero of the planet in 1998. In 1979, she made an open ocean gym suit dive to the sea ocean floor near Oahu, setting a woman's depth record of 1,250 feet. A gym suit, spelled J-I-M, is a diving suit designed to maintain interior pressure, despite the exterior pressure. It eliminates some of the dangers associated with deep diving. You could describe it as a human-shaped submarine. In other words, the diver doesn't need to decompress when exiting gym after a dive. Earl was called upon to leave several research trips during the Persian Gulf War in 1991 to determine the environmental damage caused by Iraq's destruction of Kuwaiti oil fields, and she consulted during the Deepwater Horizon disaster in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010. She is sometimes referred to as Her Deepness. That's a cool nickname. In junior high, my high school nickname on the basketball team was Hooks. No, not because I had a great hook shot because I couldn't catch the damn ball. The teammates said my hands were like hooks. Okay, back to Miss Earl. You can learn more about her if you subscribe to Netflix and watch the documentary titled Mission Blue. It focuses on Earl's life and career as her Mission Blue campaign to create a global network of marine-protected areas. Among her many awards and honors, Miss Earl was awarded the National Audubon Society prestigious Rachel Carson Award a premier award honoring Distinguished American Women Environmentalists. She also won the Carl Sagan Award for Public Understanding of Science, the Walter Cronkite Award, the United Nations Champion of the Earth Award, the Perfect World Foundation Award, and the Conservationist of the Year in 2017. Wow, 
pretty heavy uh, resume. You can learn more about her at missionblue.org. Follow her on Twitter at Sylvia Earle. You won't be alone. There's 135,000 other people that are following her too. What an amazing career and an amazing woman. That's the end of this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really liked it, leave a review. You can connect with me at rf at richardfriedman.net or A Breath of Fresh Earth on Twitter. Until next time, good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening. 